tonight, we're going to have a short sermon series called The Greatest, in which four different preachers over the next four weeks will speak to you about some of the great themes of the Bible. Uh, But I'll leave that to each uh, man to uh, convince you of what they're speaking about and why it's so great. Uh, Today, we'll be focusing in on uh, the Great Commission, which has been given to every single Christian uh, by our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're doing this because it is a wonderful thing for every single one of us to pause and reflect uh, and ask ourselves if we are really obeying some of the last words given to us, uh, Christ's disciples. And that's what I want to speak to you on today, because this really is the greatest commission given to the church. So in saying that, if we think about it, we are a people who are actually under orders from headquarters, from the king of kings himself, to go and make disciples of him. And so the words that uh, we're going to look at this morning aren't just a suggestion, but a divine commission given to all of us. And so one thing that we must be all thinking about this morning and ask ourselves, what is the Great Commission? What exactly is Jesus asking of us? Because of all the things that we want to do as a church and individually, if we don't understand what Jesus is asking of us, it's very likely that we'll go about it in the wrong way. And if we're not careful, ultimately go about it in our own strength. But if we do understand our Lord's commission, if we understand that Jesus has called us, that he has commissioned us to the most awesome mission ever given to humanity, to a mission that only he can really accomplish, yet one that he expects us to participate in, then I think it will totally transform the way that we look at evangelism and disciple making in our church. So that's what I'm wanting to do with you today. I'm wanting as a church, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to reflect with you on the words that have been given to all Christians throughout all time so that we might understand our calling and be edified in that, that this is something that the living God not only wants us to do, but is with us in the work. But before we do any of that, would you uh, please join me in asking our living God to help these word, uh, to help us understand these words that we're looking at this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, it was once said to your disciples, will you leave me also? To which they replied, you have the words of eternal life. These words are true. These words are beautiful. And we ask this morning that you would pierce our hearts, give us ears to help us to understand this commission and that you would transform us and be with us in the work and help us to know that you are with us in the work. We ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, before we uh, head, uh, uh, we dive in head first uh, into the details Um, of what our Lord has commanded us to do, I want to actually start with the greatest encouragement that undergirds this passage. 
And we see it in the way that grace bookends these verses, which is the basis for the Great Commission. Let me set the scene. Jesus told his followers that he would rise from the dead and that he would meet them on a mountain in Galilee. And so after he conquers death, he meets them and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, verse 18. And then after he's given them the great commission, notice how he ended all. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age, verse 20. Do you see what he's doing there? Jesus bookends the great commission in between two huge statements of faith, uh, of grace. He began by telling his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him and he ends with the assurance of the promise that he will always be with his people. Now let's step back and have a think about the immediate context here. Jesus is speaking with 11 guys and he's telling them to go and make disciples of what? Not of their local villages, towns or cities, but of what? All nations. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you 11 guys are to go out and fish for people. Fish for people from every tribe, nation, tongue and people. And so like the original audience would have needed to understand God's grace in all of this, we too need to understand it. And so let's slow down here and think about that first phrase. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because understanding that is hugely important. Now, I say it's hugely important because Jesus is claiming to be the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy in which the prophets saw the Ancient of Days, which is another name for uh, God Almighty. He gives the kingdom, the eternal kingdom, to the Son of Man and all power so that, and this is important for us to understand here, so that all nations might worship him. It's found right there in Daniel 7, verses 13 to 14. And that's what Jesus is claiming for himself here. He's saying, I'm the one that Daniel saw God the Father give everything to, and indeed it has been given to me, so that all nations might worship me. Now these 11 guys would have needed to understand that because Jesus was sending them on an impossible mission. Now, I don't know how many uh, civilizations or known people groups would have been going through their minds, but I'm sure that they would have been thinking the same thing as we would in our own context. And that's that there is a lot of people in this world and the work can seem so overwhelming. Just this week, I had the privilege of hearing from a mission organization called the Big Give, which started in Canada, which encourages the local church to reach their local communities by putting on a garage sale once a year, where everything, and I mean everything, is absolutely free. It's a really good idea. 
uh, they encouraged the local church to feed, help, give and care for anyone who might come by in real practical ways. And one of the things that really stood out to me was just how many people who they met, who walked past their doors for years, how they didn't have a clue who Jesus really is. That's not to say uh, that they might know about the church or Christianity from pop, pop culture, which is never a great thing, uh, but they said not many people know who Jesus really is. And that's the same in our city of Perth, even here in Armidale. Many might know that there's a church here, that we have Jump and we have a wonderful uh, food outlet, but most likely many don't know who Jesus is. And so the work that we have cut out for us here at Grace Christian Church in just this city alone can seem overwhelming when we start to think about what Jesus has asked us to do. And this is why understanding the grace of God that undergirds the Great Commission is so important. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. If we understand that, church, if we understand that our King, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, if we understand that he has all authority and that it's been given to him, then we can walk confidently into any city, town, village, suburb, any situation and share the gospel because no power on earth can stop that from happening. And that's not to say that uh, many might tell you that you're not allowed to share the gospel uh, with them or even their nation, but have a think about who's really in charge here. Think about these words of the risen King of Kings, all authority in heaven and on earth. That means, church, anywhere we go, anywhere we might find ourselves, Jesus is in charge. I don't know about you, but that is such a freeing and glorious thing. When the media, when pop culture, when Western society says, you're not welcome, you're not allowed to share Jesus in our schools, in the public sphere with your work colleagues, when it all seems too much, well, we have the words of Jesus. He's in charge. And he has commissioned us, his disciples, to make him known. A five-volume uh, series called 2,000 Years of Christ's Power uh, was recently, recently recommended to me by our very own Ben Wright, who was playing drums this morning. Uh, now, the series covers 2,000 years of Christ's reign over this world through the church and historian Nick Needham has done the most outstanding job in showing how Christ indeed did end up working through these 11 guys who went on to establish the church in Jerusalem and then Samaria and then later through Paul and then after them to the ends of the earth through others. And might I highly uh, commend to you to study church history because it attests to many, many Christians throughout the years despite real opposition from every tribe, nation, tongue and people. 
Well, they keep going. And they knew that they weren't doing things in their own strength. No, they took these words literally, that Christ has ultimate authority and power no matter where they went. And the church in Australia is both testament to that and we need to remember that. So that's first, the Lord Jesus has all authority and power, but next we notice that he is with us in the mission. We see that in verse 20, don't we? Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, as I said before, we just uh, have finished our series in the book of Philippians. However, you might remember that it was there in chapter 1 that Paul said to the church, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hear what our apostle is saying there. He's saying that no born-again Christian on the face of the planet is working in their own strength. No, we all have the Spirit of God working in us. And Paul is saying, until the day of Christ, when he returns in the power and glory of his kingdom, Jesus is doing his good work in us and is doing his good work with us. In other words, we're not left alone to do the Christian life or the Christian commission. Because Christ is with us always. And that's the way we must understand these words that we are going to look at this morning. That's the way we should understand the commission. Yes, we are to be faithful to the work, but ultimately it is Jesus who is working in and through his church to do his work until he comes again. And it is he who has ultimate authority and power, no matter where we go. And we see great encouragement in this if we see the great grace that has been given to the church. So we might ask ourselves, what exactly is the Great Commission? What does Jesus want us to actually do? Well, we see the details beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I think the going part's pretty self-explanatory, and we'll look at that in a bit of detail in just a moment. But we might ask for now, we are to go, but for what purpose? Well, that's what Jesus says here. It's to make disciples. I just want to be crystal clear on something. It's actually impossible to make true disciples of Jesus in our own strength. Uh, Let me say that again. It's actually impossible to make true disciples of Jesus in our own strength. Now, don't get me wrong. We're, We're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. We can certainly do that, and we must, but ask anyone who has heard these words of Jesus and put them into practice. Ask them if they have ever been able to give someone a new heart. I'm sure 
they would all give you the same answer. And that would be, no, it's impossible to change anyone's heart. It's impossible to make anyone born again. This again, church, this again goes back to our realising that we need God in the Great Commission, as it's only the Holy Spirit that can bring about new birth. Jesus said it like this to one of Israel's great rabbis, Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit, John 3.8. In other words, you, you can tell the truth of God's word. You can share the gospel with people, and we must, but it's only the Holy Spirit that can open their hearts and minds to bring them to accept it. And so we already see in just these first few words that our Lord has called us to do something impossible in our own strength and power. We are called to go and make disciples, yet we are unable to change the human heart. That is what Jesus has called us to here. And that's why we have to see that we must depend on Jesus in the word. Now, why am I telling you any of this? Why is this important to know? Well, church, this is where understanding the Great Commission will help us not go wrong in trying to obey it. Because if we only understand discipleship, as getting people to come to church, to join a church, to join a ministry, even to become a member of our church, then we're missing what Christ has called us to do. That's because disciples, as the Bible sees it, are people who believe, not just in Jesus, but in what he had to say, and they seek to live that out in all that they do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has revealed to them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He has opened their hearts to the gospel and they have been spiritually born again. And brothers and sisters, as much as we might try, we actually can't produce that sort of new and willing heart in other people. It is only the Holy Spirit that can do that work in another person's heart, though And this is so important for us to understand this morning. He uses us and our obedience to his commission to bring that about. So we're left with a question. How do we go about all this work? How do we obey our Lord's words here? Well, we see it here in verses 19 and 20. Three verbs. Go, baptize, teach. Those three things again, go, baptize, and teach. That is key to understanding our responsibility and how to make disciples of the nations. So let's briefly look at each uh, one. First, we are to go. Now, as I said before, the the going part is pretty uh, self-explanatory because remember who Jesus is speaking to here. Uh, Many of his disciples were fishermen. And it was to them, if you might remember at the beginning of his ministry, that he said, follow me and I will make you fish for people. 
And every fisherman on the face of the planet knows that they're not to stand on the seashore calling out, here, fishy, fishy. It's lunacy. And the disciples knew that. They knew that to be the case because Jesus set for his disciples the greatest model of discipleship making that we could ever hope to have. And we see it all throughout the gospel. You see, God the Son left his heavenly home and came to us. God took on flesh so that he could be involved in our humanity, in our lives, in our mess. And then he showed us what it was to live in obedience to our Father in heaven. And so when Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples, they knew exactly what he was asking of them. They were to go and model the life that Christ had modelled for them. Now we could spend the rest of our morning on just exactly what that looks like and how we might do that, not just here at Grace Christian Church, but for us individually as well. However, I just want to say a couple of things here. First, our going out day to day to our mission fields It might be to our own families, workplaces, or to some other group, or like some families in this church. You might be called to literally pack up everything and move to another nation. However, whatever your mission field is, Jesus expects that his people are personally involved in the work. That's what Jesus has showed us. He got involved in the life of those he was discipling. He modelled what he expected us to understand. Second, Christ's vision for his church, for his people, for his bride, is that it would be full of people from all sorts of places. That meant for his immediate Jewish audience, they weren't just to go to other Jews. And so for us, though it might be more comfortable we must be very careful to not just hone in on people who act, talk, or even think like us. No, this good news is for all people, and we are called to go to them and to make disciples. And so you might want to ask the Lord this week where he would have you go. Who would he have you to speak to? All that to say, brothers and sisters, our responsibility in making disciples, in modelling the Christian life, is to first be disciples of Jesus Christ ourselves, so that wherever we go, we model the Christian life for others. That's why at Grace Christian Church, we always endeavour to hold Christ among us high through his word and ask for God's spirit to change us more and more into the image of his son, into Christ. Because it's as we know our Lord more and more, it's as we follow him and know him more and more, that we will go about our everyday lives wherever we might find ourselves and model what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. So first we go, second we baptise. Now you might have uh, noticed in the newsletter uh, that went out this week uh, that I'm going to be spending this year uh, walking you through uh, the Westminster Confession. 
and how the Westminster theologians summed up the whole counsel of Scripture in regards to how we should think about and practice baptism, uh, it's wonderful. And, and I'll hit on that in the coming months. But for now, I just want to point out a couple of things that Jesus says here in our text this morning. First, we're to baptize in the name of our triune God. And that is incredibly important for us to notice here. Because it's here that we see that the first disciples, the first Christians fully accepted Christ's claim of deity as he commanded to give the sign of the new covenant and seal people with his name being on par with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And second, the sign and seal is to be given in the context of modelling and teaching. That's the context that Jesus expects this sign to be given in, in the context of one having the Christian life taught and modelled for them. That's why baptism is to be done by and within the local body of believers because it is meant to happen in the context of Christian discipleship. That's why when our church baptises people, you, the members of Christ's body, make a vow to those being baptised to help them in their discipleship by modelling the Christian life for them. We did that a couple of times just last year. Uh, you might remember when we bapt, uh, baptised Elise and Raj, uh, we didn't just give the sign of baptism, the sign of the covenant, covenant, and then wish them well in their individual journeys. No, we baptised them in the context of the church and made the promise to help them in the, pro- in the whole discipling process. How? Well, by being there for them to model the Christian life and to help them in the way that they should go. It's it's a communal vow and acknowledgement that we can't do discipleship as lone rangers. No, we, we need one another in our Christian life and discipleship. And so baptism is to be administered by disciples and then we're to continue to disciple one another in the local church. That's why one of the great concerns of the Westminster Presbyterian uh, denomination of which this church is a part is that we go and we plant churches wherever God may see fit to send our missionaries. And we plant churches because it's important that we have local churches for people to get to because that's where disciples are made. We never want to go and tell people the gospel, uh, see them converted, see them baptised and then pack up and leave without a place for them to be discipled in. So we go, we baptise, third we teach. Now Jesus is pretty specific in what he expects his disciples to teach others. We are to teach others not just to know what Jesus taught, but and you will notice it here in our text, we're to teach them so that they might obey what he taught. That is absolutely essential to the Great Commission. You see, brothers and sisters, we we must be careful not to think we're fulfilling the Great Commission 
if we just talk to others about church, about ministry, about philosophy, about history, about our own personal experiences. No, though those things might be helpful in clearing the way and to get conversations started, our ultimate goal is to teach people what Jesus taught so that they might obey all that he commanded. We need to see the difference there. There is information and then there's transformation. And the commission states that we make disciples by telling others all that Jesus commanded so that as they hear the words of Jesus, the Holy Spirit might open their hearts to obey all that he has said. That's why we use the Bible in our discipleship in preaching and teaching, in all that we do, as all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the people of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. Church, I hope you have captured something this morning. We have been given the greatest commission to go and disciple the nations. Admittedly, it is an overwhelming task if we look at it. And as we have seen this morning, absolutely impossible if we go about it in our own strength. That is why every step of the way, in everything we do, in everything we are, we need to keep our eyes firmly set on the one who is not just the king of the nations, but has power over all things. It is he who has given us the great commission, but it is also he who is in the work with us every step of the way. He is the one who opens the eyes of the blind and brings about new births from the spiritually dead. But, and this is the most incredible thing, he uses people like you and me, to do so. Church, Jesus has called every single one of us to be disciples so as to make disciples. We are all called to go, show, and tell all those around us. That is the goal of the Great Commission, not to have nations full of people that know something about Jesus or the church, but to know Christ intimately to love him and thus obey him and all that they are and all that he had to say out of the overflow of the work of the Spirit in their lives so that they too might go and impact others around them. That's the Great Commission. It is the greatest commission. No wonder we need to know Jesus more and more and more in our own lives because we can't do any of this alone. But in saying that, as we've seen this morning, it was never designed and given to be done on our own. No, Jesus gave this so that we might partner with him in his work to see the nation's discipled. And nothing is impossible for our God and those that trust him. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are thankful 
for these words that you have given us. An impossible task to do on our own. Lord, we ask that you would help us, that you would show us what it is to obey these words that we have heard this morning. Lord, we want to see many come into your kingdom. We want to see many born again. We want to see many set free from the power of sin and death. And we want to see many love you and obey you and that they would go out into their context and share the good news that you have given to us. Lord, these are all things that we uh, ask of you and know that we need from you. And Father, we would ask that in the work of your spirit, uh, through your son, that you would hold Christ high here at Grace Christian Church and that you would draw all manner of people to yourself, that you would convert people and that you would use this place for your glory. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.